Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Nozomi Morgan, who is the founder of Machiki Morgan Worldwide. She is a contributor to Forbes and an official member of the Forbes Coaches Council. She was also selected as one of the top 50 individuals to follow on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nozomi. Well, thank you, Matthew. It's such a uh, honor to be here. I want to kick us off with a question that stems from the biography that I saw about you on your company's website. It states there that you've lived and worked in Asia, Europe, and North America, and that specifically your international experience is a critical component to the knowledge that you bring as a strategic partner. Let's start with this. How has your international experience helped you as a professional during your career when you're advising your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for actually asking that wonderful question. Um, as you were saying that, it just I was just thinking back of, of my life, being like, how did this help? <laughs> and so the, the the thing is, I always knew even as a child that it's so important, like experiences are something um, that is so important. And there's a Japanese saying that you should pay to get experiences um, because it's that ex that important, right? People can't take away any of the knowledge and experience that you've that you've um, acquired by yourself. They can take away your money, you can take away your health, but they can't take away the experience and knowledge. And so all the the experience, you know, living in Asia, being born and raised in Japan, also lived in the in in the U.S., North America, worked in and lived and um, and traveled a lot around Europe. What that really has helped me as um, as a consultant and being that trusted partner and as also our company to really found our company and um, do business with all these you know, really interesting leading global global brands is that understanding that there there's not one right way to do things or one right view, one right culture. A lot of times what we see, um, especially when you work with executive teams from these global companies that because they're extremely talented, you know, they're, they're, um, they're great at what they do. They all think or know their winning pattern. They know what works. And that's a challenge, especially with the companies that we work with, because when, especially these executives come from the headquarter mm. and they're working with so-called subsidiaries, their um, companies and, you know, all around the world, they're working with companies, their their subsidiaries that are in a culture that has different value systems, different ways of decision making, management styles, communication styles, all of that. And if you believe if the headquarter people, the executives come and believe our way is the only way, right. like how can you really, um, are you able to get things done um, and working with these subsidiaries or, or so-called the locals, if you believe the way your way is the only way or, or that's the right way. So through all the experience, you know, um, that I personally have had and, um, our team is, uh, built, is built with, uh, team members who's had a lot of experiences of a lot of international experience as well. That has definitely, um, helped us to help these, 
uh, clients and executives to understand that um, there's a lot of different ways to do things. Um, so yeah, that's that I, I would sum it up that way. Well, I talked about in the intro about how prolific you are on LinkedIn. So one of the questions that I had for you was actually about a post that you did recently and you asked followers what challenges they've overcome recently and you discussed the power of risk-taking. So I'm going to take your question and I'm going to turn it around and, and, and pose it to you. Can you talk about a challenge that you've overcome along the way and what you personally learned about risk-taking? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge in my life has been that I've been living someone else's life for a long time. When I say that, I sometimes call it the should path this path that I thought I was choosing all, all my um, moves or the school I want to go to or the career that I want. But actually there was an invisible hand <laughs> or that invisible path that I was actually following or uh, the path that I was on. And the biggest risk that I took was actually um, realizing that I was one unhappy and accepting that I was unhappy and saying, my life, my life is too valuable to be living someone else's and actually leaving the corporate world mm. and starting Michiki Morgan worldwide. And that was, um, 10 years ago. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that was a biggest risk I've taken in my, in my life. And it's been the best decision I've made ever. We, we've definitely had a lot of founders on the show. And, and one of my favorite questions to ask them is kind of the quintessential, what would you tell your younger self. So I'll, yeah. I'll take you back 10 years ago. You're in the process of, of founding this organization that has been successful in the last 10 years. But what, what did you worry about too much back then? Or what would you tell your younger self to focus more on if I gave you that opportunity? Yeah, if I, if I would talk to my younger self, I would say, actually, take more risks and fail more. Really, really don't worry about what other people think of you. Don't worry about making mistakes. Don't worry about all of that because at the end of the day, really, if you're healthy, then if you have your, you know, if you're able to do things that you want to do, and if you're mentally and physically healthy, um, the rest doesn't really matter. You can always, um, money, all of that kind of stuff, you can always create that if you have the will and there's really nothing to lose. Um, but I know for myself and especially growing up in the Japanese culture is that you are so risk averse. Japanese are infamous for being risk averse mm -hmm. and having that stable safety life career is one of the top values. Mm -hmm. So taking risks definitely is not, is not rewarded. So I've grew up in that culture for so long and, um, yeah, it's so hard to live outside of that and see the world differently. Um, so if going back to, if I, if I could go back and whisper to my younger self, I'll be like, just do it, you know, and, and scrape your knees, right. Um, break some bones. It's okay. <laughs> hmm. 
You, you mentioned in one of your earlier answers that you've worked for large organizations and you've obviously, we've talked a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey with a, with a smaller organization. What have you learned about what it takes to be a leader in those different environments? We've heard from a lot of our listeners that you know some of them work for massive corporations and some of them are a part of two to three person startups. Would you give a different piece of advice to leaders in those different environments? You know, the truth is, I think, um, yes, they're different. You know, your your scale of influence looks different when you work in larger corporations than if it's a company that you started, for example, if you had two or three employees. But I do think the heart of leadership is still the same. And that is, for me, what I really realized is that you really have to care for people. Um, it doesn't matter how big or small your team is, if you don't have that that care, that love, and there's different ways people describe that, but I would say that love for your people. Um, and what that looks like actually is, and we talk about this in like our leadership programs, which is called Boundaries Leadership, um, is that love and care then leads to being curious about other people. And that is really important in the international, the intercultural work that we do. Hmm. If you're not, if you don't care about the person, you won't be curious, right? If you're curious, it's because you care. Like you're, you wonder like, why does this person think this way? Why does that person do things this way? And not in a way that you're being um, critical or judging. You're just curious. Like, and we talk, and I joke about this sometimes is that when you, when there's someone that you kind of like, right? Go back to when you're like, I don't know, elementary school and there's this person that you kind of like, oh, I kind of like this person. You're curious, like you always want to know what they like, you know, mm. what they eat, know, know where they, you know, go buy their candy. Like, I guess that sounds really old school, but anyhow, you get the idea. Like you're curious, right? It's because you like the person and it's the same thing with leadership. Mm. Um, if you're not curious about, you know, your own people, um, how can you be a good leader if you don't care? So I think that is the same, even with my organization, which is much smaller than the cor corporations I worked with. I worked with companies that had 80, 90,000 people. Um, and now I have, you know, a much smaller team, but it's the same thing. I really am curious about my folks and the people that work with me. I'm curious about my clients, mm. um, what they're doing, you know, what's going on, how can we help them? And it's not because, um, you know, I just want more business with them. It's because I really care, right? Because I really like working with them and I want them to, if whatever support they need. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that would be, I think it's the same. Well, it was a, that's a wonderful lead in because I would have to say we're closing in on a hundred episodes here. And wow. the theme, the theme that has probably come up more than anything else is curiosity. Um, people just saying that part of their success was driven by their curiosity, whether it be for things in their work, outside their work, people they worked with. And I'd love to know, what do you coach people who maybe have an aversion to leaning into that curiosity? Like what sort of questions can we ask as leaders or what should we be focused on if we buy into your assertion that curiosity is really important? How can we get better at being curious? Ah, that's a great question. You know, I've never thought about that. So what would that be? What what question would help um, to be more curious? I think it goes back to actually don't worry so much about what question it is. Mm. I think just just follow your heart. Um, some of the things I see in in the leaders that we work with, especially now with being remote work, virtual work, um, and and also with um, 
you know, diversity, equity, inclusion, all that being so important, uh, a lot of people worry about microaggressions and not offending someone. They, mm. they don't know what's right to say, what's wrong to say. And sometimes that really paralyzes you when you overthink. Mm. So I would say just really follow your heart and um, whatever comes up. Again, that goes back to it's not it's not so much intellectually what you're curious about. I think it goes back to really inside your heart. It might be even just um, what excites you. You know, what did you have for breakfast? Mm. Like, it could be really small things. And I think it is practice. So one thing that we um, coach a lot actually with our clients and um, teach too is around gratitude. Mm. So appreciating, you know, anything and everything in, in your life. So it could be just appreciating that the sun's out, appreciating that you woke up in the morning and appreciating that your team member showed up on time. You know, those things, and the more you look for them, the more you can see them. So actually with curiosity as well, instead of being like, oh, I have to ask a, a, a question about like that I show that I'm curious. I think that totally defeats the whole purpose and just follow the flow and what comes and not judging to and not overthinking, I think is one thing that might actually help. Hmm. I like that a lot. And I think it's a, a really nice transition to you mentioned in that answer, adapting to a more virtual or more remote first environment and how difficult that is, but how that also presents opportunities. And uh, another recent LinkedIn post that you made that that popped out to me was you, you talked about how are leaders adapting to the changing world and changing technology. And you asked your followers what they were seeing in, in their environment. So again, I think I'm going to turn the question around. What are you seeing in your environment? What are people doing that's making them more successful in this environment that I think is still somewhat of an experiment about the right path forward in, in hybrid and in virtual and the return to work? Do you have any suggestions for individuals who are navigating that um, uncertainty? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, talking about technology. So a lot of companies, you know, turn to technology because it's convenient. There's a lot of, there's so many, you know, upsides to technology. But the challenge is um, technology only is half the solution. Hmm. There's always technology, people, talent, and technology go hand in hand, right? Technology itself doesn't run itself. Like the people use it. And so I think folks that um, rely too much on technology um, miss the whole point that technology is just a system that's, that supports you. Hmm. And really at the end of the day, it's the same basic that um, you really, as a as a person, you have to reach out to your people. You have to connect with your team. You have to still do that. It's just technology that supports, um, gives you another way to do it, another mm -hmm. avenue to do it, or makes it more efficient um, and all that. So, um, you know, I think that's the part that people also misunderstand technology, that it's, it's not personal but you can totally make it personal like mm. this that we're doing if you know zoom is technology too i mean if if it wasn't for zoom i would i wouldn't say never but it's really unlikely that matthew and i would meet and talk like this and we still have i still feel a connection with you although we you know we haven't spent a lot of time together but i see this as an opportunity for us to um, create a relationship together 
And that's what the amazing thing about technology is. And there's, and so I would really encourage, you know, managers, leaders, uh, executives out there to, um, to not forget the basics um, and, and just really leverage that. But remember again, like the heart and that connection is so important. And um, really, if you follow your heart, if you follow, you know, when it comes to right and wrong, at the end of the day, you have to make the decision what that is. And if you think too much, then again, you get paralyzed, but the, all the answers are really within you. And if, and I think a lot of times, especially during um, this time of change, uh, there's so many, so many voices inside our head and outside the world that really confuses us. And um, the, the, the great leaders are the ones who actually can hear their own voice. Hmm. Um, and I think that's where actually uh, having quiet time, um, making sure that you're taking care of yourself in every way that wellness, um, you know, mentally, physically, all of that is so important. Um, and also that's why it's important that you take, that you care about your uh, own people and make sure they're taking care of themselves, um, because there's so many competing priorities and so many voices, so, just so much noise. Mm. And a lot of people that are stuck or feel frustrated a lot of times is because they don't know what's right or wrong for themselves anymore. Hmm. Well, as a, um, as a final question, before we switch yeah. over to our rapid fire questions, I'd love to ask about your evolution as a leader. You, we've talked a lot about this 10 year um, successful journey that you've been on. If, if I had to pin you down, how do you think you've evolved as a leader or, and maybe as a second question, where do you hope to evolve in the next couple of years? Like, what are you still working on and where do you think you've changed the most after the last 10 years? Oh, there's so much, so much stuff that I'm working on. But um, what I think I've changed the most in the 10 years is um, in, uh, from being me centered, me centric, from really being, I know this is so cliche, but really being about we. Hmm. And um, I think at the beginning, especially when you're starting your own business, you're trying to prove something, at least I was. <laughs> and, um, but that actually is a reflection of the, your insecurity that you have to prove someone, you want that validation from someone else. And through these 10 years, what I do know is fine. It took me a while <laughs> and I'm still working on it is now I don't need validation from someone else. I know mm. what I, or we do well as a company. And I really have confidence in that. And, um, and all we need to do is make sure we keep on growing and doing better in that, in that strength that we have. And I think that's been, and by knowing that it's been so much easier to work and partner with other people because we know what we do well, but we also know what we don't do well. Hmm. And we know that there's so many amazing companies out there. Like, like Matthew, your company, there's things that we don't do what you do. Right. So it's such a gift to be able to meet, connect and, and collaborate with uh, brilliant minds in this world when you're able to be like knowing what you what you can bring, mm. then you can also be so grateful for what other people bring. Well, that is a wonderful spot to shift us to our rapid fire questions that I get to ask all guests. So I will go with question number one, which is this, if you could describe your leadership style, but I just gave you one word, what would that word be? Love. 
And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? That uh, it, when you're in difficult spots, that's the best opportunity for your growth. Hmm. Talking about opportunity in difficult spots is a great spot to close us out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, you. there's two places. One will be our website, uh, which is michkeetmorgan.com. Uh, and then another place is feel free to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I am probably the only Nozomi Morgan on LinkedIn, so it'll be really easy to find me. Well, I would highly recommend the LinkedIn um, follow. And thank you so much for all your great insights today. And thanks to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Ability Sims, and you can find our organization at ability.com. I want to thank Nozomi again for joining us on this episode. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. This podcast is produced by Ability, a leading provider of award-winning leadership development. You can find us at www.ability.com or by searching for Ability Leadership Development. Make sure to also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini MBA, The Invited MBA, a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. Find more information at www.invitedmba.com. Finally, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. We wanna thank you all for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.